Welcome to the Mount Pisgah Student Life Podcast, where we will talk about all that God is doing right here in our ministry. What do you do when you do what you said you'd never do? What do you do when you do what you said you'd never do? It's something that we all deal with. We all say we're going to be something. We all pretend to be something. We all try to be something. And then at some point, what we have promised we would do or would not do, we end up doing. We say, listen, I'm, you know, I'm not a mean person. I'm not going to be mean to my friends. And then eventually we are. We get into a relationship and we say, man, I will never stray from this relationship. And then sometimes that happens. Or uh, on the second night of a retreat when we're all crying and we say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to stay with you forever and I'm never going to leave your side. And then we go home the next day and we immediately do. So often, we do exactly what we said we would never do. And that's a really tough thing to deal with. Because then we have this question of, who am I, or what does this make me? How do I come back from this? How are people going to see me if they know? How can I hide this best? We ask so many questions, and we go through so many things in this moment when we do what we said we would never do. And so the real question is, how do we respond to this? There are two people in Scripture that we're going to focus on tonight. And the reason we're going to focus on them is they are not often put together, but they are incredibly similar. These two people are Judas and Peter. So when you Google Judas, it gives like a little, what is it, IMDB, IMBD, whatever, bio of him. And underneath known for, it says two words. What do you think those two words are? Betraying Jesus. That's a really bummer of a thing to be known for. And when you Google Peter, and it gives his little bio, and it says known for, it has all these lists of things that he's done, the miracles he performed, the books that he wrote in scripture, all of these things that Peter accomplished. What are the two words that are not in that list? Betraying Jesus. However, Peter and Judas both did betray Jesus. And we're going to look at that. So first, just to kind of see where we come from, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 tonight. And we see Judas first. And we see Judas first. And we start in verse 14. And Judas, who is one of the disciples, he's one of the 12. He's been with Jesus for years. All of his ministry, Judas has been a part of it with him. Judas obviously has a place of trust within the 12 because they trust him to keep all their money and all this stuff. So he has a trusted place among the 12. But in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 14, we start seeing things change. It says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. We jump down just a little bit to, to verse 20, and we see... 
a scene that we talk about a lot in church. You see lots of pictures painted of it, all these things, and it's Jesus with the 12 disciples, and they're celebrating Passover. And we see this. When it was evening, Jesus reclined at a table with the 12 disciples. And as they were eating, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him with one another, Is it I, Lord? So they went around the table and the disciples were like, Jesus, is it me? And they're going around the table asking him this question. And Jesus answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. So he's telling us one of you. So the Son of Man goes as, as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better if this man had not been born. Then Judas, who was going to betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus said to him, You have said so. We get to this point where Judas, can you imagine how he's feeling in this moment? He's already taken the money. He's already looking for the opportunity to betray Jesus. Jesus isn't supposed to know that this is happening. This is a secret. And then him with all of his 12 or 11, I guess 12 including Jesus, best friends and all this stuff, they're all together and it's just them alone. And Jesus comes out and says, one of you is going to betray me. And they go around and ask, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And he finally gets to Judas and Judas knows and he's trying to just play the part at this point. He doesn't want it to be obvious. And Jesus kind of calls him out and lets him know. But not many verses later from this moment, actually just five verses later in, in verse 30, we see a very similar scene start to unfold with Peter. The rock, the one that Jesus says the whole church is going to be built on, the one that has done so many amazing things with Jesus already, this happens. In verse 30, we read, And when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away from you, I will never. He's like, Jesus, not me. They might all fall away. They're not as good as me. I won't, Jesus, I promise. I'm with you for anything, through anything. I got you. And Jesus looks at him and says, I tell you this, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Other translations say you will betray me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples were like, yeah, me too, me too, me too, I promise. Peter is so sure that it's not going to happen. And then comes the moment. Verse 47, it's just a couple verses later. They're in the garden and it says, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests to the elders to the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, I will kiss, or the one who I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. And they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Now I want it to be really clear. Judas says one thing in this 
passage that's really telling because he's now said it twice. He calls Jesus rabbi. In this culture and at that time, rabbi would mean teacher, which is great. But Jesus is so much more than that. What Judas is saying and what he's showing in these two moments where he's calling Jesus rabbi is that he only sees Jesus as teacher. He doesn't see him as Lord. He doesn't see him as Savior. He doesn't see him as the Son of God. He doesn't see him as God. To Judas, Jesus is just a man. And he's willing to give him up for 30 pieces of silver because he's, he's just a man. And in this moment, we see the moment that Judas betrays Jesus. Just a couple more down. Jesus has been taken and they've put him on trial. It says, now Peter was sitting outside of the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he came out of the entrance, another servant girl saw him and, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and swear and said, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Within 20 verses of each other, the person that we say is the rock of the church, who Jesus called the rock, and the man who we credit, even on Google, for betraying Jesus, do the same thing. Both of them betray Jesus, just as Jesus said they would. Both of them did exactly what they said they wouldn't do. Both of them gave up the Savior of the world. Different outcomes, sure, but both of them did exactly what they said they were not going to do. But here's where things change. It's in the response. We see Judas's response just barely after. It says, Judas, uh, the betrayer, when he saw that Jesus had been condemned by the court, he changed his mind. It's a little late for that, right? You've already given him up. He's already been condemned. You can't do anything about it at that point. He says, oh, he changed his mind. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and said, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is this to us? See it to yourself. The moment after Judas betrays Jesus and he sees what he has done, instead of taking any kind of responsibility, Judas immediately tries to distance himself from that situation. He feels dirty. He feels unclean. He feels and knows that he did the wrong thing. And instead of taking any responsibility for that, instead of taking any ownership of it, he says, look, I just don't want to have to deal with this anymore. Here, take your money back and like, just don't associate me with this anymore. And it's not enough. When the priests say, who cares? It doesn't matter to us whether you did or didn't. The response that Judas had, he couldn't handle. And Judas went and, and hung himself. And he was then buried with the silver because the priest said, look, we don't, we don't want money that's come from this. The only response he could do was trying to distance himself from what he had done. 
the only amount of accountability he was willing to take on was just simply trying to step away and saying, I, I never had anything to do with this. Take it back, clean it, it's done, I'm not a part of it. And it wasn't enough. But then there's Peter. Verse 74 is when the rooster crowed. And one verse later, verse 75, we see this. It says, And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, who said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. The moment that Peter recognized his betrayal, he felt remorse. The moment that Peter recognized that he had done exactly what he had said he wouldn't do, he owned that. He took that upon himself. He felt the weight of that, and instead of distancing himself from it, he owned it, recognizing what he had done wrong. And then Peter did a couple of things that all of us need to do in situations where we do what we said we wouldn't do. And we're going to go through this very short list, but what I'll say, if one of these does not make sense to you, there's a couple questions that follow that. Number one, it's are you in the right group? Because if what I'm about to say doesn't make sense to you in the context of the group that you are in, you are in the wrong group. The people around you are not the right people. And the second question that this very short list is going to bring up is if you are uncomfortable with these things, what is preventing you from getting there? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Are you afraid of the outcome of what's going to happen? Peter does some simple things this moment that he takes responsibility and understands what he has done. The first thing he does after repenting in that moment of weeping is he goes immediately back to his community. The 10 others who did not betray Jesus, the 10 others who have stayed faithful to the Lord, the 10 others who were there the whole time, who were in there, who claimed responsibility, who were claimed as being part of Jesus, even though Peter didn't, they accepted him back in. They knew that he had done the wrong thing. They knew that he knew he had done the wrong thing. And they also accepted his repenting. They knew he had taken ownership of that and they were going to walk with him through that. The way we know that is very shortly after this is what Caroline read before, where it says all 11 disciples were there when Jesus came and gave them the Great Commission. Not only did he go back to his community, not only did they welcome him back in, but he left it in the past. He does two things. He goes back to his community and he leaves it in the past. The moment Jesus arrives, it doesn't say, and Peter fell on his knees and weeping in front of him. He said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I did it. He was part of the moment because he had left that in the past. He had allowed repentance to do what it's supposed to do. He had allowed recognition and ownership to do what it is supposed to do. Because when we take these things to the Lord and we admit what we have done, we allow him the space in the room to clean us to wash us free of that so that we can step forward out of it and leave it in the past. We said our slogan is come as you are and leave with more. That's what I want you to leave with tonight. Are you willing to take those two steps 
going back to the community that will accept you and understand that your repentance is real? And are you willing to leave it in the past? Or are you hanging on to it? Are you holding it so closely because you're afraid if somebody else sees it or knows about it that they will no longer accept you for it, that you will no longer be welcome, that they will not see you the same? If Jesus can see the man who betrayed him three times in one night the same, the minute he comes back, then your friend should be able to see you that way too. If Jesus can see Peter as exactly who he was through his repentance and through this moment of ownership, the minute he gets back, we should be able to see ourselves that way too. See, we love messages about how we're supposed to look like Jesus, and then we love messages about what we're supposed to look like outside of that. But in this moment, we get both. Because we say, look, so often we are Peter or Judas. So often we come back from the retreat and we betray Jesus immediately. So often we do exactly what we say we're not going to do. So often we do not live the life that we say we are supposed to be living. But then we never look like Jesus on the other end. We never take that moment to accept the repentance, to allow the past to be in the past. So that's what I want you to go with tonight. Are you allowing yourself room? And are you in the community that will allow you to do those things? Let's pray. Father God, you are such a good God. And Lord, tonight is such an exciting night because we get to see so many people here for the purpose of being in community together and of being with you. Father, as this new school year starts and we move into these moments and these chances and these choices of deciding who we are and who we want to be, I pray that you weave this so deeply and intricately into it. Father, I pray you give every person in this room the chance to be surrounded by people who love you first and then love people around them the way you do. And Father, when we mess up, when we do exactly what we said we wouldn't do, I pray you give us the faith of Peter, who didn't always do it right, but understood that the response is what matters that the repentance is what matters. The recognition and the ownership is what matters. God, thank you for being a God of relationship and a God that wants us so desperately. We love you, Lord. In the name we pray, amen.